0: Our God in heaven, we thank you that you continue to speak to us through your word and by your spirit. And Lord, I pray that we would be good hearers of your word today. And not only hearers, but also doers of your word. In Christ's name, amen. So for this year, we have been, we've been talking about uh, the presence of God and uh, the, the, the ways that God has been at work throughout the world. And we, we see that from the story from Genesis to Revelation. And we've been talking in the last couple of months about the fruit of the Spirit and how uh, the, the character of Jesus is being formed in our lives through, through the Spirit. The, the fruit is, 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 all, is all of one piece. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Each of those different characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit are being developed in us. Uh, so it's, it's not as, as, if, as if Ben gets patience and I get joy and uh, somebody else gets self-control. Um, all of these are being developed in us. Now, now some of us have, are further along in some of these areas of others, like in a, a, on, on a, a grapevine here. Some of the grapes are bigger than others. Some have, have come to fuller uh, fruition, uh, but they are all growing in us, and that's the work that the Spirit is doing. So another thing that God is doing in us through his spirit is is by giving us spiritual gifts. And that's what we're going to be focusing on the the next few weeks is uh, spiritual gifts and this idea that God has given us unique abilities and skills to be used for the sake of the church. There are our four main passages of scripture that talk about spiritual gifts. So I just want to throw those up there for you if you want to write them down. Have a read through them, uh, through them this week. I think that will be helpful for you as we, as we move forward in the next couple of weeks. Romans chapter 12, 1 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, and fourteen, Ephesians four one through sixteen, and First Peter 4, 10 through 11. Uh, These are the, the main passages in the scriptures that speak about the fruit of the Spirit. But the main passage that I want to focus on today is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. And so if you would turn in your Bibles there to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Paul writes this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit there are different kinds of service but the same lord there are different kinds of working but the same god works all of them in all men now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good here is a definition of a spiritual gift A spiritual gift are diverse abilities given to each of us by God that are used for the good and for the growth and for the unity of the church. Diverse abilities given to each of us by God that are used for the good and for the growth and for the unity of the church. As we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, we talked about how this is, uh, uh, all of these fruit are being developed in us. All those nine qualities are being developed in us, but the gifts of the Spirit is different. There are, are many, over 20 gifts of the Spirit that are listed in the Scriptures, and nobody has all of them. All of us are given individual gifts, and so if the image of the fruit of the Spirit is this one grapevine with bunches of grapes growing on it, I think the, the image that we can have for the gifts of the Spirit is, of course, Christmas morning. You wake up on Christmas morning, and there are dozens of gifts under the tree, but only a few of them have your name on them, right? Much to the dismay of your seven-year-old, they would like to have all of the gifts, but only a few of them have their name on them. Some of the gifts have other people's names on them, and we should be glad about that. We can watch them enjoy their gifts as well. This is a picture of spiritual gifts. Each of us receives a different gift. And for some of you, this is a good reminder that, that not all of the gifts are yours. There is good work that needs to be done in the church that you can't do. Not only that you shouldn't do but that you can't do it. You haven't been equipped with the right gifts to do it. There's work in the church that isn't yours to do. There is good kingdom work that needs to be done in the world that doesn't have your name on it. And some of you need to hear that. Because some of you see needs in the church and you, you take those up as burdens. And you're tempted to take on that work and those responsibilities that don't relate to your gifts. Because you want to see the job get done. That's a good way to, to get burned out. And so for some of you today, it's important to remember that not all of the gifts are yours. You can't do everything, and you need to trust that God is going to take care of those needs that you see out there that aren't yours to do. And for others of you, your problem is the opposite. You don't believe that God could possibly have given you a gift at all. You may think you're, you're too messed up. You, you failed too many times that God would never want to use you because of what you have done or because of who you are. Maybe you've been told by people that you're worthless. You're not going to amount to anything. And I want to say to you this morning that you should not believe those lies. That God has given you a gift. You have a contribution to make. There is a gift under the tree that belongs to you. There is good work to do that does have your name on it. When you become a follower of Jesus, you become a part of the church, you become more than just a spectator, somebody who sits and watches. You become a participant in the work that God wants to do in the world. God has given at least one spiritual gift to each one of us, a gift, an ability that's used to help the church grow and to be healthy. So, in scriptures, in these uh, four different passages that I read uh, or I showed you earlier, uh, there are some different lists. And I'm just going to read through them real quick, uh, just so that you get a sense, for those of you who are unfamiliar with spiritual gifts, just so you get a sense of the kind of gifts that the scripture talks about. There's prophecy and service and teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy. Grace, words of wisdom, evangelism, pastoral guidance, celibacy, intercession, words of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discernment, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, helping, hospitality, administration, apostleship, and martyrdom. that last one's one that you only exercise one time. You live your whole life for it, but you only exercise it once. These are gifts. These are gifts that the Spirit gives to the church for the good and for the growth and for the unity of the church. They are gifts given to us by God. These gifts are given in two directions. First, they're given to us by God. They're abilities that God has given to each one of us so that we can join with him in his work in the world. And they're also gifts given by us to others and to God. And once we come to know what our gift is, what our unique ability God has given to us, we then begin to offer that gift to other people. When we understand what our gift is, we seek to offer it. We desire to offer it to other people. And so often when we, when we approach church, we ask this question, what, what can the church give to me? What can I get from this church? What can I get from this Sunday morning service or from this community of people? Do they have a good uh, children's ministry? Is the preacher any good? How is the worship leader? This week they didn't sing the kind of songs that I like, or they sing them too slow or too fast or too loud or too soft. And we're trained in some ways to think like this as consumers in America. We're trained very well to find out what we can get out of something. And we bring that mindset to the church as well. Imagine a church, a group of people who asked a different question when they came to church and they became a part of a community. If they ask, How can I offer my gifts here? What contribution can I make to what God is doing in the world here at this place? That's the kinds of questions that God is is seeking us to ask. What kind of contribution can I make to this particular place? Gifts are given to us by God, and gifts are then offered uh, by us to others and to God. And these are also our spiritual gifts, and I want to talk a little bit about this word "spiritual" because sometimes we can get a little bit goofy with what the word "spiritual" means. Uh, it gets a, a little bit; uh, we kind of start thinking about things that are, are out of this world or really esoteric. And uh, I want to take—if you think about this this list uh, that I've showed you here—there are things in these these lists that are supernatural to us; things that are that are very impressive. But this list also includes things like helps and service and administration. Very tangible, very earthy, in some ways very ordinary activities. A spiritual gift is not a spiritual gift because it is impressive. That's what I want. I want you to hear today. A spiritual gift is not a gift, a spiritual gift, because it is impressive. There are three things that make a gift a spiritual gift. Three things that make a spiritual gift a spiritual gift. First, they are received in faith. If we have a particular ability, we are receiving that ability in faith, that it's an ability that God has given to me, And I can only offer it for good kingdom work if I receive it in that way, understanding that it is a gift of God. It's not something that I've possessed, not something that I have developed, but something that I receive with faith. This is an ability that God has given to me. Secondly, it is a gift or an ability that is done in hope. It's done with the hope that this service that I am doing, that I am uh, offering to God, that it contributes to God's work in some way, even if I can't see the results. When we are exercising our spiritual gift, we must do it in hope, because when we exercise our spiritual gifts, we can't always measure the outcomes. There's not always a bottom line to it, but we need to believe and to do that work in hope that what we do is an eternal work that the work that we do now will last in some way into eternity. So a a spiritual gift is, is, is an ability that's received in faith, is done in hope, and that is exercised in love. When our work is done out of love, not so that other people will think well of us, Not so that we can impress other people and receive their praise, but when our work is done out of a sincere love for God and for other people, then it is being exercised as a spiritual gift. Faith, hope, and love. When our gifts are exercised in faith and in hope and in love, our actions become a place where people experience the presence of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, what I read for you a minute ago, is now to each one, to each one, to each person, every single person, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What does manifestation of the Spirit mean? It means that the Spirit of God becomes visible and tangible through you when you exercise your spiritual gift. That the goodness and the mercy and the love of God is made known to others when you exercise your spiritual gift. Not because it's impressive. Not because we can't imagine how it could possibly uh, be done in this, this miraculous way. It's When it's done in faith, hope, and love, people experience the presence of God through you. And Paul really emphasizes that these gifts are given to each one of us. The gifts, the fact that there are many gifts and that nobody holds all of them in their hands is a reminder that we are dependent on one another. The gifts are given so that all of us to, to, together can build up the body of Christ. There are those uh, those four passages, uh, three passages in Paul's letters, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and Ephesians 4, where he talks about spiritual gifts. And each time that he talks about these abilities that each one of us have uh, in order to build up the body of Christ, each time he then uses this image of the people of God being like a body. And that each of us have a role to play. Like in our own bodies, each part of our body have a role to play. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Paul writes, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace that God has given to us. Then again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a long section from verse 14 through 20 where Paul talks about the the gifts of the Spirit and how these are exercised like different parts of the body. And then again in Ephesians 4:16 as he's talking about spiritual gifts at the very end he says that as all of the parts do their work together the body grows up as each part does its work. Each time Paul talks about spiritual gifts, he gives us this image of a body. Our hand has abilities that our eyes don't have, right? Our our eyes have abilities that our hands have abilities that our, our eyes don't. Our knees do a part. Our kidneys do a part. Our elbows have another part to play. Each of the parts of our body have unique gifts, unique abilities that contribute to the good and the growth and the unity of our whole body. And so our gifts, likewise, are used for the common good. They're given to us so that all of us can be more healthy and whole as a church. And it's a reminder to us that we are all dependent on one another. That you have gifts that I don't, and I have gifts that you don't, and that all of us need each other. In the last 15 years that I've served as a pastor, I've discovered that whenever I try to start something new, whenever I try to forge a new path or a new way of doing things, that it absolutely fails every time. Anytime I have a new idea, and I try to implement it, it crashes and burns really fast. I get frustrated, and people around me get frustrated. And this is really frustrating for someone who gets lots of new ideas, a lot, about the way that we should do things. But what I've discovered that that I am really good at, what God has given me the ability to do, is to come alongside people who have their God-given idea and to help them to discern how to go about implementing it. I'm really good at putting the right people in the room together to make something happen. Two of the gifts that I have of both discernment and shepherding, those two things come together in beautiful ways when someone else has an idea a project that they want to accomplish, something that God has put in their heart and God has given me the necessary gifts to them, help them think about that and to plan and to develop that idea and to then to give them a push and to let them go. Because what I've also discovered is if I stick around in that project for very long, I tend to mess things up. And so I'm here at this particular point that somebody has an idea and they come to me and say, Pastor Ryan, I have this idea. I have this passion. What do you think? And we talk about it and sometimes I think, you know what? That's, that's not the best idea or we shouldn't do that right now. I think, you know what? I think that's something that the, the Spirit is really saying. And so let's get some other people around and begin to talk about what God is calling you to do. And I'm there for a while for maybe just a day or two or maybe a couple weeks or maybe a few months. And then I give a push and I get out of the way because I mess things up if I stick around for too long in those projects. This is the reason I believe that God has brought me to Broadway Christian Church. Because there is this dynamic spirit here at Broadway where people do have ideas, passions that they feel that God has given to them, and they come and we talk about it, and God has shown me the way that my gifts work together with you. As I think about the, the new things that have started over the last five years, none of them were my idea. Global outreach team, not my idea. Celebrate recovery, not my idea. The rite of passage dinner, not my idea. The orchard, not my idea. The mental health team, not my idea. But all of these ideas were given to people by God, and they came to me and we talked about it together, we prayed about it together, and my gifts and their gifts were brought together by the Spirit. We exercised them in faith and in hope and in love, and we've been able to see God do amazing things because of it. I believe that within every individual church, all of the gifts that God needs to do the work that he wants them to do are already there for the church to function in together. So I want us to think about that. Let me say that again. Every individual church has the gifts that they need to do the work that God wants them to do. They're already present. So let's think about Broadway Broadway right now. I believe that all of the gifts that God needs to do what he wants to do through our church right now are right here in this room. We don't need anyone else. We don't have to, to hope for another 50 people to come so that we can do this or that thing. If there are new things that God wants to do, he will bring the people to do them. The mental health team is a really good example of that. As I was thinking about the the 10 or 11 people on that team, there's only one of them that's been here longer than me. Uh, A couple of them came about the same time, and then the other five or six are people who have come in the last year or so that God has brought together because this is a new thing that God wants to do among us. And so if there's anything that is holding us back to what God wants to do in us, It's not because God hasn't given us what we need. It's because we haven't yet discovered the gifts that are here. There are gifts that are not yet being fully exercised or are not being exercised to their fullest potential. There can be lots of reasons why they're not exercised. Uh, Maybe for some of you, you really are just sitting on your hands, and you're not doing the thing that God has called you to do. But I think that most often in a church, there are people that have these gifts and these ideas, but they don't feel like they really fit in the church with the way that it functions as it is. And I want to say to you, and I hope that you've heard from me today and experienced from me today in the last, uh, in the last five years as I've, as I've been a pastor here, that I want to hear the ideas that you have. I, I may tell you I don't think that's a good idea, but I want to listen to you. I want to pay attention to the, the gifts that he has for you and that he has given to you and the passion that he's given to you and to begin to create spaces where more of the gifts can be exercised. Because there are, are people, and the, the way that we do church in, in America sometimes just has these particular kind of boxes, these particular kind of gifts that the church really likes to use, and kind of leaves out some of the others. And I think there are some of you who have some things, have some things that are stirring in you, that you don't really feel like have a place in the church. And I want to listen to that, and to come alongside you and to discern what that might be. I believe that the gifts that God has assembled in this room are unique to what God wants to do at Broadway Christian right now at this very time. I really believe that. So it's important for us to discern what the gifts are and to learn how to exercise them in faith and in hope and in love. So I have a little assignment for you, and then I'm going to finish with a story. Uh, your assignment's in your bullets in there. I would like for each of you this next week, next week we're going to be talking about how to discern what your gifts are, discern what your spiritual gifts are, and and I want you to, to take a half an hour, twice, two different times this week, and I want you to first of all think of the five or six scripture verses that have been particularly important to you in your life. For all of us, there's these verses that for whatever reason you just find you have them memorized and you never tried to memorize them. Or maybe it was a verse that somebody spoke to you at a particular time in your life that you've never forgot. Write down the five or six verses that are particularly important to you. And secondly, is to think of two or three people in your life who have been important to you in your spiritual life and to write out why. Okay. I want everyone to do this. Okay, this is your ticket into church next week, okay? okay? Maybe not quite, but I'm really asking, I'm asking for all of you to do that, to take some time this week and to write out those gifts. And next week during my sermon, I'm to walk us through thinking about, I, I believe that God, ha- God's hand has been in your life from the very beginning, before you ever knew him. When you were a baby and your experiences, both good and bad, have shaped you into the person that God has made you to be so that in this moment he is calling you to something. And those experiences in your past, both good and bad, uh, the scripture verses that have formed your heart in some way, the people who have shaped you in some way, have, have been moving you to this particular moment in time so that you can act and to exercise your gifts at this time and in this place. So I want you to think back on your life to the scriptures that have been important to you and to the people in your life who've been important to you and to bring those next week. Will you do that for me? Oh man, it's going to be empty service next week. All right, well, that's my challenge. But I want to finish this morning with the story. And I think it's a powerful story that I I want us to hold in our imaginations over the next few weeks as we talk about spiritual gifts. It's a story in John chapter 6 where Jesus was up on a mountainside and there were thousands of people who were coming to hear him teach. So Jesus is there with the 12 disciples. If you want to close your eyes as I tell the story, you can. Jesus is on the mountainside with his 12 disciples and these thousands of people are coming. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and he asks this ridiculous question. Where are we going to buy bread for all of these people? And one of the disciples looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, even if we had like an entire year's wages, it wouldn't be enough for everyone to have a single bite so I'm not sure why you're asking even where we're going to buy it, because we don't have the money to buy it. And it seems like another one of the disciples went out into the crowd, and he, he comes to Jesus with this little boy, and he says, Jesus, this little boy, he has five loaves, uh, barley loaves, and he has two fish, and he's, he's willing to give it to you. And Jesus takes the barley loaves and he breaks them and he gives them thanks to God and he takes the fish and he just begins to pass it out to the people. And on that day, 5,000 people were fed because of these five barley loaves and these two fish. There was a problem that Jesus saw. And he solves the problem through the courage of a boy who was willing to give up his lunch. He took what he had and he gave it to Jesus. He offered it to Jesus as, as a gift. And Jesus takes that very little thing and he uses it to do a miracle. And I want you to notice what's very important about this miracle. Jesus doesn't just snap his fingers and make bread and fish appear. Jesus does not make bread and fish out of thin air. Jesus uses a gift that was offered to him. He used what was offered. And that is the key to this story. Jesus takes what is offered and he does more with it than what could have been done simply from human effort or human generosity. Jesus does a miracle, no doubt about it, but the gift, the resource, it had to be offered. It had to be placed in Jesus' hands for him to use it. I suspect that day that there was more than one boy who had a little bit of food in their pocket. I mean, there's 5,000 people there. Somebody thought to bring a little bit of food for the day. But that food wasn't offered to Jesus. That gift wasn't offered to him. But this boy gave what he had, and 5,000 people were fed. As we think about the gifts of the Spirit in this story, I want this story to, to remain in our imaginations over the next couple of weeks. And there's two questions that I think that this story challenges us with as we think about spiritual gifts. And the first is very simply: what is your bread and fish? What is the gift that you have? What is the resource that you have to offer? What is your bread? What do you possess? What do you own? What special ability do you have that you can offer to God and to other people? Maybe God has given you some really amazing idea, some uh, really amazing gift, or, or maybe what you have seems very meager and small to you. Maybe it seems very plain and unimpressive. It doesn't matter. The question simply is, what is it that you have to offer? Jesus will make with it whatever he wants to make with it if you offer it to him. So that's the second question. Are you willing to offer this ability, this skill, this resource, this gift that you have, are you willing to offer it to Jesus? Because it's not how big or impressive it is that Christ is concerned with, but how willing you are to offer it to him. Are you courageous enough to come to offer it to God and to watch what he will do with it? There are some of you who do not believe that you have much to offer. You don't believe that you're talented. You think you're too old or you're too young or you think you have not enough experience. You think you don't have enough time. All of us feel like we don't have enough, okay? All of us feel like what we have really isn't very much. This is not Jesus' concern whether we have enough because he has enough. Jesus is concerned with how willing we are to give what we have to him so that he can use that for whatever he wants. So the question is not whether you have enough or whether it's good enough or shiny enough or impressive enough. The question is very simply, are you willing to offer it to Jesus? Do you have the courage to offer it to him? So those two questions, as you think about this story over the next couple weeks, what is my bread and my fish? And do I have the courage to offer it to him? Our God in heaven, we thank you for the ways that you have designed the church in this unique way. Diverse abilities, diverse skills, diverse passions, and you've brought us all together for the good and for the growth and for the unity of your church. So Lord, I pray that you would use this week and the next couple of weeks to fan the flame of gifts that are simmering that you would bring to our attention uh, new things that you want to do in us. And Father, if this is uh, something that uh, for each of us that we already know, we already know what our gifts are, God, I pray that you would encourage us in this time that our gifts are not just used for ourselves, but Lord, as we use them in faith, hope, and love, that you will use it for your eternal good, your eternal work in the lives of other people. Uh, So God, help us as we think about the gifts of the Spirit to make this a place here at Broadway where we are all coming together to see your good work done. In Christ's name, amen.